This week's episode of Sisters brought to you by Be More Radio is a playback. New episodes will resume next week. Please enjoy. She wears a nap because it makes her happy. She's too cool for smooth. Kings and cores are too free spirited to be restrained by herbs and oils. These queens who doing it as a natural crown of truth. Wigs worn in all sorts of twists, shades, a labor of love. Please welcome Dr. Eddie. Pleasure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dr. Eddie. <laughs> Dr. Eddie, tell Patrice a little bit about yourself. Patrice, it's a pleasure to meet you. You as well. Of course, I'm Dr. Eddie from Detroit by way of Kingston, Jamaica. I have a, I have a doctorate in education and I work as a college professor. I've been looking to meet that special lady and we're looking to build something long term. I'd love to take you out, you know, a little fine dining. What do you say? I would definitely like that. <laughs> What's up, Queens? It's your girl, Jay Rose, and welcome to Sisters. And speaking of Queens, it is my pleasure to introduce y'all to a brother who has been helping our Queens maintain their crowns with his amazing book series called Dear Queens. He's a nationally recognized speaker, a college professor, a cancer survivor, and might I add, he is pretty good on the eyes, ladies. So sisters, please welcome one of Detroit's finest, Dr. Eddie Connor. Welcome, Dr. Eddie. How are you? Wonderful, J. Rose. Glad to be with you on this uh, show. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Glad to glad to have you with us. So so I couldn't help but laugh at that Steve Harvey clip. How how was it being on the Steve Harvey show? You know that was a phenomenal experience. Uh, just to be able to, of course, meet Steve. He is the king of com- comedy, and to really see him do his thing, uh, even behind the scenes, um, and then of course see it on camera as well. Uh, that was that was phenomenal. And to meet that that sister, since we own sisters. <laughs> and, uh, connect with her. She actually, uh, ironically, had read some of my books uh, even before I even knew who she was. So that was uh, awesome to hear that she she was, uh, you know, a consumer of my reading. So uh, that was cool. Well, that's always a plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know absolutely. already. Yeah. So it's right, def- right. Yeah. So it's definitely a pleasure for us to be able to, you know, chop it up and kind of uh, get to know you a little bit. I, I did kind of chuckle a little bit on that clip because like everyone was kind of <laughs> ooh and ah and <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, he must got the sauce. They over here hooting and hollering. Okay. I'm so, so I hear that you're the author of 14 books in total, correct? And yeah. yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And so we're and so recently you've introduced the second volume of Dear Queens, Volume Two, which premiered this past March. And so I will be honest with you. Uh, I've said this before behind the scenes. I read both books in like a two day span, and that's how good it was. Though some of the things I may mention, maybe some themes that are reoccurring in both books. But uh, first, I want to start off by just asking. What even originally inspired you to write a book dedicated to Queens? Yeah, you know, um, I wrote the first installment of Dear Queen uh, in 2017. 
And um, it, the genesis of it started from my high school. I used to write love letters to girls in, in school. And I was a shy guy. And so I was doing it anonymously and put the letter into a locker, uh, kept my name off it. And, and some of the girls found out it was me and got guys kind of got around, heard the word that it, hey, I'm writing poetry. And they're like, hey, man, write, write me a love letter for Shorty over here, this girl. Uh, keep your name off it still, though. And uh, I, you know, I'll give you some some lunch money or, you know, pizza and hot pizza and uh, milk chocolate on Friday. And so, uh, you know, it, it started to be a little bit of a hit. And years later, I said, man, if I could write a love letter to girls, why can't I write a book of love to women to love themselves and know their worth? You know, Malcolm X said the most neglected, unprotected and disrespected woman on the planet is the black woman. And so I really wanted to just give veracity and value to our sisters, and let them know how special they are. And uh, 2022 came around and, and or the end of 2021, around that time, I said, man, Dear Queen is still one of my biggest books. And uh, I said, I think there needs to be a second installment. I said, I don't think there is a, uh, it's a, it's a uh, end of a conversation. I think it's a continuation. And hey, here we go. <laughs> and I like that you put it that way that it's a continuation because I always feel like it's always an ongoing conversation as it pertains to our queens and so we definitely thank you brother for your dedication to focusing on building up our sisters and seeing the value of who we are and helping us learn self-love and healing and becoming our best selves and now that I started reading I admit that I, I didn't know what to expect because my initial thought was like how can a man really understand mm. what sisters need on all these different levels but it was so much deeper than what I thought why do you think it's important from a male perspective to school our sisters on how to respect themselves? And why is it important to teach people, especially men, how to respect them? Yeah, I think um, for me, my experience, you know, being raised by a single parent mother, really uh, seeing my grandmother and, and just watching, you know, women from a bird's eye view throughout my life. Uh, up close and personal, even relationships, you know, I, I just really saw uh, certain things that, you know, when it comes to affection, when it comes to validation and celebration, I think those are a part of, of the love that our sisters need. And just to continue to uplift them when you see sisters who work so hard, raising multiple children, possibly single parent mother, Working multiple work, working multiple jobs as well. Um, just really being a, a conduit of society. I think we got to celebrate that, and I think we also have to uh, up, uplift them and let them know how how uh, valued they are in our world. And so, uh, just just really wanted to do that and, and allow this to be an olive branch, especially from black men to to our women. And I really like that you bridged that gap because there's always this conversation about whether sisters are really getting love from the brothers out here. And this is just a perfect example of how, you know, you know, we know that our brothers love us when they take the time to write, like you said, a love letter to, to all sisters about mm -hmm. your value. And so in Dear Queen, there's a recurring theme of you mentioning that a queen's value doesn't diminish just because of people's inability to see her worth. Could you please elaborate on why this is vital that our sisters understand what that means? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, 
loving yourself and knowing your worth is not predicated on other people. I think it first begins with yourself. Uh, you know, you can't expect anybody to love you if you don't love yourself. And oftentimes we have to uh, peel past all the layers, take off all the masks that we've been wearing and uh, really look through the trauma, the triggers, the emotional incarceration, what it is that we have experienced. Yes, forgiving other people, you know, appropriating God's forgiveness in our life, but also forgiving ourselves, you know, for allowing the mistreatment to take place or, or not blaming ourselves because of somebody who gaslit us, uh, somebody who made us believe that we are not who we are, uh, being manipulated. And really, a manipulator is always going to make you be, feel bad for what they did to you. And so uh, peeling past all those layers, despite, you know, the makeup, the lashes, uh, the red bottom heels, you know, uh, hair done, nail done, everything did. Are you fancy, huh? And, and really loving what you can't see uh, really, I think, becomes a substratum for the book. I agree. And there's and then there's there's always this conversation about whether sisters can be able to have that coexistence with each other, which mm -hmm. is another thing I saw in the book. And I always hear this and I and I've been guilty of of being that sister that's like, I don't really rock with a whole lot of other female friends or just having a challenging time working together in harmony amongst other sisters. And so I I always wonder how do you feel about the idea that sisters need to learn to build relationships and collaborate, as you say, instead of competing against each other. Yeah, you know, we always say you are your brother's keeper. Uh, but I think there's also an aphorism which speaks to being your sister's protector. And I think uh, real queens don't compete, they collaborate. Uh, being able to uh, complement, being able to uh, collaborate together and, and seeing that we have more in common than we do divided. You know, uh, just because, you know, you're different doesn't mean you're deficient. And I think uh, really being able to look past the veneer and, you know, all that she thinks she all that and, you know, how sometimes women and men come together. Like, boy, I, I, I had this perception of who you were. But when I actually got to know you on a different level, you just like me. And I, I think when we realize we have more in common than we do divided, we're actually, you know, uh, teamwork is going to make the dream work. We are better together. It becomes a place to where uh, we can not bridge uh, or be divided as a wall, but really create a bridge to uh, come together and work together as well. That was a really great message as far as how you were able to, to mention to sisters that we need to be able to learn to collaborate with each other to really to build those relationships with each other because i think we need this we need each other more than we think yeah, yeah <laughs> so yeah, and true. yeah so one of the other recurring things i noticed throughout both books is that the topic of self-love and i'm sure most sisters including myself have struggled with feelings of low self-esteem valuing the person that we are what would you say to sisters who struggle with feeling like royalty in a sense when it comes to strengthening their own self-esteem? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's important to honor your emotions. I also think it is uh, important as well to look at what causes the trigger uh, of what it is to where you feel inadequate. I think uh, oftentimes our inadequacies, inadequacies are idiosyncratic to our circumstances whether there's a lack of love in the home, whether they're a mother, whether they're father wounds, uh, whether they are individuals who put you down throughout the course of your life. 
um, you know, and, and even when you think about self-esteem, uh, the, the, the prefix is self. But isn't it uh, ironic that we allow people to diminish our self-esteem? Uh, it's a quote that said, no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. And so uh, being actually uh, being in a place to where you you deny permission to other individuals of how they are going to make you feel. Uh, no trespassing on on who it is that you are to overcome those traumas, to heal from the vestiges of your past, to love yourself through what you have gone through and see uh, that, you know, yeah, you took a few L's. Uh, but you can bounce back. And if you took any L's at all, it should be lessons. It should be love. It should be leadership. It should be leveraging your purpose. It also should be that you took the Lord with you too. And so uh, looking at your life in that aspect uh, should now be a place to pause for a cause to also say, uh, yeah, I've been through some tests, but I have a testimony to where I can now share with somebody else how to overcome what I overcame. Amen. I had amen on that. <laughs> and, and, and I actually like even in that it, it was a section that you wrote I think it was in the first book about baggage when it comes to self-esteem like I love that you mentioned my Erica Badu song baggage yeah. because I was listening to that song and it really started clicking to me like what the bags actually meant and it just meant all of the things that we were carrying whether it be bitterness anger hurt regret and I, I always was just thinking as I was reading, like, how how can we get rid of that baggage? How can we let that go? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think it's important to sift through our baggage to actually take the time to unpack it. Um, you know, I, I believe relationships are like boarding an airplane. Too much baggage is going to cost you rather than causing us to soar. It literally is going to cause us to crash into our past. And the fact of the matter is hurting people hurt people heal people heal people if we don't heal we're going to bleed on people who didn't cut us and so uh really being able to take the time to 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 recognize every one of us has baggage uh what is the difference between um looking at the difference between what is baggage and what is garbage there's some things we need to get rid of there's some things we don't need to recycle or we don't need to return to but there are also some things that we we can sift through and, and recognize, all right, this has become emblematic in my life. This can now be used as a place of a testimony in spite of the scar, in spite of the wound, in spite of the hurt, in spite of the pain. Uh, it, it can be placed to where I can profit from my pain. I can teach, I can in mentor, I can empower other individuals. And then also, I can also take some time to engage in self-care uh, beyond just a therapeutic massage, actually going to therapy. Uh, actually going to a counselor, you know, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So being able to talk to individuals about what it is that you have gone through and, and heal your mind, heal your, heal your emotions uh, and heal the inner wounds of what it is that we have experienced and find Amen. wisdom from it. Amen. And one, and one question before we go to break, I, I know you mentioned really something really good about the superficial nature of the times that we're living in as far as social media driven area where sisters are doing all sorts of different things in order to receive validation from the outside world, whether it be through pictures or likes or comments. Can you briefly just tell us why is it important that our ladies, our sisters understand in the age of social media, why there is more to who they are than looks and likes? Yeah, you know, I really believe um, in, in what they say that the average person 
um, touches their phone about two to 3,000 times a day. <laughs> and so uh, we have become so uh, stimulated by the stimuli of our world. And of course, we connect to our world through our senses. But when uh, it moves into a place of sensory overload, and that becomes the dominating aspect for our lives, you know, it, it can be a conundrum. And, and I think oftentimes, especially as we are receiving the dopamine high uh, from social media, from likes and, and getting all the attention, we, I, th I think, need to look past the veneer of filters, uh, you know, beyond the filters that we wear on our photos that we put in our place in our photos. A lot of times we're wearing filters in our own lives. Um, you know, COVID-19, I think it became a precarious pandemic because we didn't just start wearing masks. We've always worn them. You know, it was our notoriety. It was trying to get fame and acclaim. It was the 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame. Uh, looking at the adoration where it came from others. And, and oftentimes likes now uh, become greater than love because we lack love internally. And so beyond looking at just the exterior, focusing on the interior uh, to recognize that our value is not predicated on going viral. Our, our value is not predicated on being a, a social media handle or hashtag uh, to, to become popular, but it's about being powerful. Um, and, and I think when we, when we recognize our value and, and we, we use social media, but we don't allow it to use us, uh, then we have a different perception of, of our world. That's a really good way to put it. And I really, and I totally agree so much that sisters really need to look for internal validation and spiritual validation first. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I definitely want to give you props on mentioning one of my other favorite songs that you mentioned in there. It was a Beyonce song called Pretty Hurts because mm -hmm. it is the definition of what queens need to hear because as she says, it's the soul that needs the surgery and not the body. And so with that, right. we're going to go to it, right? That was, that, was, that was fire right there. So with that, we're going to go to a quick break, and we will be right back here with Dr. Eddie on Sisters here at Be More Radio. As an Olympic athlete, I prepare for everything. So when I became pregnant, I thought I was ready. But at 32 weeks, I was diagnosed with severe preeclampsia and had an emergency C-section. Looking back, had I known the warning signs, I would have talked to my doctor sooner. Too many women die of pregnancy-related complications, and most are preventable. If you or someone you know is pregnant or recently had a baby, learn the warning signs. It could help save her life. Hear her. Welcome back, queens, to Sisters right here on Be More Radio, where I am kicking it here with our guest, Dr. Eddie Connor, author of the two-book series called Dear Queens. Well, Dr. Eddie, we talked a lot about the making of Queens as a whole, but we have not yet heard a whole lot about you and your background. So I'd love for you to uh, please touch on a little bit about your background and kind of how you even got led to writing in the first place. Yeah, you know, I, I never had an intention to be a writer at all. Um, it was uh, um, an interesting journey in my life to where uh, I endured um, the, the, the divorce of my parents, uh, and then also going through a uh, very ordeal and tough, tough time in my life being diagnosed with stage four cancer. I was experiencing chest pains as a kid and, and didn't really know what was going on. Oftentimes, you know, vulnerability and masculinity cannot coexist in the same space. Oftentimes that vulnerability is seen as femininity as a boy becoming a man. And, um, 
generally seen pain as weakness leaving the body. Don't want to be categorized as weak or soft or any of that nature. And so I kept the pain that I was experiencing inside. Little did I know it was a tumor forming in my chest. Wound up being, uh, as the doctor said, NHL, which I thought was National Hockey League. <laughs> uh, but the doctor said no, it was a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma stage four cancer. And so going through chemotherapy, radiation, my own father not visiting me, visiting me one day in the hospital, people who I thought were praying for me, but were literally praying on me, expecting my demise. Uh, I had to fight through what I was going through, you know, uh, a praying mama, depending on God's word, leaning on the Lord. I'm blessed to uh, find the can in cancer and uh, make it through that that tough time of uh, depression, mental discombobulation uh, and, and really be here to, to walk in destiny. Well, thank God that you are here. <laughs> it's so remarkable. I, I, I think I haven't, I don't even remember ever hearing anyone ever coming back from a stage four cancer diagnosis, especially at a young age. And, and just all of those things that even go on with that. And is there any advice that you can share for anyone that may need something, may need to overcome, not just physically, but just to overcome mentally as well? Yeah. You know, I think um, as I was looking back and as I've looked back most of the time, you know, throughout my life, I realized God didn't bring you this far to only bring you this far. You know, and a knockdown is not a knockout unless you stay down. As Muhammad Ali said, the canvas is no place for a champion. Uh, Big Shaw and the rapper said last night took an L, but tonight I bounce back. Being able to bounce back from a setback because a setback is a setup for a comeback, uh, to be able to recoil, to, to get back up again, um, to, to realize that, uh, you know, you can't spell don't quit without do it. And that's has to be the mindset that we have to have in spite of all that was experiencing, all the things that we've taken, we've, we've experienced and that have taken place. Bouncing back from a setback and getting back up again is what it's about. And I like that, you, you saw the can in cancer, as you mentioned. Yeah. And I think is that it's just really awesome that you were able to still have a positive mental attitude about the situation. It doesn't mean that that you still didn't have your moments, but it's, it was really, really refreshing to hear that you actually saw the positive and then how you could be able to overcome. I also am curious to know, and, it's, and maybe this, this kind of ties back to the book a little bit. You mentioned something about just because something is quicker doesn't mean that it's longer. Cause sometimes we have these expectations of where we should be and shouldn't be, or where we should, you know, where, where we think we are versus where we actually are. And so can you explain a little bit of what that means as far as that? Yeah, I, I think life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Um, and being able to run your race at your pace, mm -hmm. uh, not uh, allowing your, you know, you, you're, you're comparing your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 30, uh, recognizing, you know, what is for you will take place for you in time. It may not happen as quick as somebody else. Uh, but but if the thing is, if God is blessing your neighbor, that means he's in your neighborhood. It's only a matter of time for what you and I are going to get that's, that will become ours. So uh, I, I think not comparing uh, but actually maybe looking at somebody else's life and saying, what can I adopt in my own? 
I like that. So if, if, if it's a blessing to your neighbor, somebody is in the neighborhood. Hey. That's right. Amen. And <laughs> I really like that. And I and I also really like the fact that you distinguish the difference in the books about the difference between being a female and being a woman or being, a, mm -hmm. you know, being a queen. And I was kind of stuck for a little bit, but I'm starting to catch it. But what what would you say is the difference in your opinion between a female and a woman? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a female is about a matter of birth. A woman is a matter of choice. Um, you know, you, you have to choose to grow up, to mature, to develop. Um, and I think it, it really speaks to the mentality of what it is that we have experienced. You know, it's maturational development. It is ownership. It is accountability. Uh, it is being able to uh, recognize and realize uh, that what I've gone through does not define me, it refines me. I should get better as I get older and I learn and grow and be stronger. And then also um, each, each one teaching one, being able to pass the baton, being able to uh, recognize that nobody is a, is a true success without a successor. Amazing. And to those who want to be like you in the sense of being a writer, do you have any advice for any aspiring writers, especially writers that maybe come from the inner city like us? Uh, any any uh, advice for them? Yeah, you know, I wrote my first book with a dollar and a dream in my name in a uh, college dorm room, uh, begrudgingly. But as I was writing, I was healing. Uh, I found therapy uh, from all the things that I had gone through. And I think one thing is just be true to you. Uh, find your authentic voice. Find your authentic message. Um, if it hits you first, it's going to hit the other person. And I think uh, being able to open up all the vaults of your emotional wounds and um, experiences as well and, and putting your pain on paper and turning it into power uh, it will be uh, therapeutic for you, but also a blessing to somebody else. That's awesome. So before we call it an evening, I always like to ask, are there any new projects, any exciting news that you have in the works going on right now? Yes, you know, I've uh, done Dear Queen as well as uh, Dear Queen 1, Dear Queen Volume 2, and a few other books, especially for our sisters. Uh, the first gender-specific book I ever wrote was some years ago called My Brother's Keeper uh, to our brothers, but I'm, I'm, I'm revisiting new content again and uh got a book called the mask of masculinity coming out in june uh how men can uh lead and love with vulnerability and so that's going to be a, a real spectacular book coming out in june men's month and then also we got father's day too so it's on the horizon it's awesome i'll be on the lookout for that i would definitely buy a copy for my husband definitely you awesome. you got you got a fan out of me i'll tell you definitely oh cool cool yes. i appreciate you well, we gotta support each other especially coming from the d we definitely have oh to. what up though three yes. Three. Yes. <laughs> yes and so we as sisters we definitely would like to thank you dr eddie for hanging out with us dropping a few gems on our queens and we for sure want to give you our stamp of approval. And Dear Queens, which is straight fire and all facts, can be found via Amazon.com or www.DrEddieAcademy.com slash Dear Queens in the paperback as well as the digital version. So thank you so much for your time, Dr. Eddie. We really appreciate you so much. And we love to have appreciate you back. You.
Yes. Awesome. I'd be glad to. Of course. We'd love to have you back. So next week, we will be talking to our sisters at Be More Radio. We'll be talking to some of our sister alumni here at Be More Radio. We have a sister by the name of Brenda Walker, who has been taking the film industry by storm right here in Metro Detroit. So stay on the lookout for that. And we will see you next time right here on Sisters right here at Be More Radio. She wears a nappy cause it makes her happy She's too cool for smooth Kings and cores are too free-spirited To be restrained by herbs and oils These queens who doing it as a natural crown of truth Rage worn in all sorts of twists and shades A labor of love for the root Expressed by the child of Africa soil It's worth the toil Willie curls aim for the fish So pick a stance If you dare to take a glance Her thoughts will ascend you Trust me Let's give her a chance. A pair of shears for a shiver locks, a twist to unwind the combination to the safe where the keys to a heart are best.